0: Psalm 74, 9, we see not our signs. There's no longer any prophet, and there's none among us who knows how long. What a horrible and heartbreaking cry that the prophet cried out in his day, saying we're the people of God, we're the church of God. Today in our day, we would say we're the people, the bride of Christ, and we don't see our signs. And there's no one among us who knows how long. How long will this condition of barrenness, this signlessness, go on? If we're God's distinct possession in the earth, where are the distinctive signs of His presence among us? So today I'm going to combine two signs. I want to combine together two that naturally go together, the 12th and the 13th sign, And begin this morning with the sign of unity. Everyone say unity. Unity. Say it in unity. Unity. Oh, very good. God bless you. Praise the Lord. And so uh, Peter says, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you might show forth His praises, His virtues, His excellencies who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. So There should be signs that tell the world that God's in the house. That we're not Christians by name, but by presence. And so each of these signs are signs of the presence of God. They're not not earthly uh, um, products that we have manufactured, but they are heavenly expressions, heavenly manifestations that come through the Holy Spirit. Number 12 is the sign of unity. Unity. Now the sign of unity was immediately manifest at the birth of the church on the day of Pentecost. For the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with, everyone say "with." with. They were all with one accord in one place. So they were not just in one room. And to assume that we gather in one church sanctuary, that we're all in one accord, is a foolish, is a foolish conclusion because you can have a whole bunch of people that disagree and are in a lot of strife among themselves in the same room. Say, I've been in one of those rooms before. I know what that's like. So the Bible says they were not only in one place, but they were, it doesn't say they were in one accord. It says they were with one accord. Then the end of chapter 2 ends kind of concluding with the same thing that he opens up with, and he says, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking of bread, house to house, they ate their meals with gladness and singleness of heart. So the way I read this, one accord showed up and they were with him. One accord showed up and they all got into it. So the sign of unity was working from the inside out, not from the outside in. It wasn't an achievement. It was an impartation. It didn't result from community organizing. It was the manifest trait of the new creation. So it isn't a social or a political agenda this unity, this Christian unity that is the sign of the church, but it is the heartbeat of the resurrection. Living in people who agree together that Jesus' is life and serving Him is living. So you can see that the spirit of unity, the sign of unity, came when the Holy Ghost came upon God's people was immediately manifested. It wasn't worked out, hammered out. It didn't come about because people agreed on anything. It came as the heartbeat of the resurrection. Jesus has risen from the dead and everyone that is in agreement with that is in unity with life. Hallelujah. It's the spirit of unity. In Acts chapter 5, And beginning in verse 12, it says, And by the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people. And they were all with one accord. There's that one accord again. So that one accord was there, and the people were all with the one accord. And this time it says, Not in the upper room, not in their homes, but in Solomon's porch. That was the Jewish temple. So they were hanging around outside the main temple building and they were there apparently on a daily, regular basis. They were all in this sign of unity. They were all with one accord in Solomon's porch and signs and wonders were continuously occurring. None of the rest of the people joined themselves to them, but the people held them in high honor. More and more believers in the Lord were added by the Lord to their number, crowds of both men and women. Man, those verses from verse 12 to verse 15 really contain some potent thoughts that I believe we must get if we're really going to have the sign of unity and the other signs that accompany it flowing through our lives and through our church. The first thing that I notice no denominational spirit had risen yet in the church. They had not yet caved into that denominational spirit that, that uh, comes to accommodate the differences between people. That's all that denominations are. The, the denominational spirit is Christians segregating themselves, ac- creating denominations to accommodate their disagreements with other Christians. If you really must know the truth. That is what the denominational spirit. And don't think that because Faith Christian Church is non-denominational that we can't be just as uh, divisive. Divisiveness isn't, isn't in a name, it's in an activity. So I noticed that there was no denominational spirit. It says they were all with one accord. So the one accord of the Holy Spirit came and they were all with one accord and they all continued with one accord and they were with one accord in the laundromat and in the grocery store. They were with one accord out in the temple. They were with one accord when they gathered wherever they were having their services and they were with one accord when they were outside not having services. No denominational Spirit. And do you notice that every time one accord was there, there was something else there. Signs and wonders. Signs and wonders. We have been trying for years, we, the body of Christ, trying for years to bring the signs and wonders back to the church. Trying through praying and fasting and and delving into the Word of God and pruning our lives and getting close to God to bring healings and miracles and deliverances, the signs that ought to characterize us as the people of God. But the Bible says, and it's clear there, that they were with one accord and signs and wonders took place. On the day of Pentecost, one accord, there they were being filled with the Spirit speaking in tongues. Continuing with one accord, signs and wonders being done. Wherever they were in one accord, the supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit was flowing. You want to know when that supernatural flow started to break up into sputters and spurts? When the denominational spirit began to arise. When they began to drive away the one accord and replace it with segregating and dividing themselves. I'm of Paul, I'm of Paulos. So there was no denominational spirit. I noticed that. And the other thing I noticed that I think was even more remarkable, there was no membership effort. Nobody was trying to get members. (laughs) Show me a church today that isn't trying to increase its membership. Almost every church is trying to get members. They are trying to feel the pulse of the public. They're trying to become socially relevant. They want to relate to the young people. They want to show the elderly that they care. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things, but I notice that this church, the Church of Signs, the Church of Acts, had no membership agenda. There was no membership effort going on. Let me read it to you. They were all in Solomon's porch in one accord, regularly miracles and signs and wonders were occurring. None of the rest dared to join them. The effort was going the other way. But the people held them in high regard. Can you imagine being the kind of church, you're meeting in one accord, you're walking in the unity of the Spirit, but you're not paying a bit of attention to trying to pick up members. You're not trying to pick up members. What are you doing? Now you can say, well, you know what, we're not going to try to get members, and that's going to trick Jesus into giving us members. If we act like it doesn't matter to us, then God's going to. No, no, it had nothing to do with that. Read on. There is a paradox sandwiched in this statement in the Scripture. It said, none of the rest dared to join themselves. And then just a few words later it says, more and more believers were added. Now which was it? You see, what he's showing is he's showing that the church put all its effort into being in one accord. Publicly. What were they busy doing? They weren't busy trying to get members. They were busy staying in one accord publicly. They went and got into unity, into the unity of the Holy Ghost. They did it publicly publicly. They weren't paying attention to everyone who was watching them. They were paying attention to the spirit of unity in the midst. They were loving one another publicly. They were loving Jesus publicly, which is the key to the spirit of unity. It's being unified with Jesus. Their focus was upwards, not outwards. And the Bible says that as the rest of them were watching, afraid to join them, but holding them in high regard. The Holy Ghost was falling on all the sinners. And God was saying, you, get in there. You, get in there. You. God was adding. It was a Jesus membership drive. So it says there was no effort being made of the church to try to boost its numbers. So, as they embraced The spirit of unity, the sign of unity, God could add to a church that walks in the unity of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, anyone who thinks that the sign of unity is some social script for reaching people doesn't have the spirit of unity. There are a lot of people that have the spirit of community organizing. There are a lot of people that are trying to get people together. Christian efforts, non-Christian efforts, we see it politically, we see it socially, and we see it in religious communities. We see all over the place, people want to lock arms, and they, let's be, let's come on, let's form unity. And of course, the first thing you run into is, well, people have different ideas about things. And so, well, I don't know if I want to lock arms, i lock arms with this person, I don't know if I want to lock arms with this person. So people have to hammer out, and is an ugly business. It's a nasty business. Most, most people that have, have been in efforts of unity usually end up living on a farm somewhere on a mountainside. They find that living with among the animals is preferable to trying to bring unity among people. And I don't blame them because you can't make unity. Unity came down on the day of Pentecost. How is it that these people were able to have the sign of unity? Glory to God. What what created that was the spirit of unity. The spirit of unity isn't something you build. It's something you keep. It's something God gives to you. It happens on the inside. You change when Jesus comes into your heart. And in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3, and achieve, Ephesians chapter four is a great chapter. It's the chapter that talks about uh, the Lord unifying and building up the church. It talks about how that uh, He gave the fivefold ministry—the apostles, prophet, evangelists, pastors, and teachers—to develop the body so they could do the work of the ministry and build themselves up in love. Well, that chapter begins with a statement about unity, and it and it continues to reinforce the idea. But again, it is that it is that spirit of unity that came down as the birth sign, if you will, the pulse of the resurrection into the hearts of those believers who were simply agreeing that Jesus is life and serving Him is living. So Ephesians chapter 4 begins by saying in verse 3, endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now I noticed right off that word keep, Endeavor to keep. That sounded like a command to me. So I looked it up and guess what? It is a command. Keep the unity of the Spirit. Keep it. And I looked at what that word means and it means in the original Greek to guard from loss or injury by keeping an eye upon. To note a prophecy or to fulfill a command. So it means to guard, to protect so that a thing isn't injured and to keep your eye upon it. And it also means to note, like noting, I note that prophecy. It's to notice and to pay attention and to fulfill a command. I note that command. I note that prophetic word. Those are, those are the words exactly from the Greek definition of that word, to keep endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So there is God ordering you and I to maintain the unity of the Spirit as the sign of His presence. Hallelujah. Now, the sign of unity that I'm preaching about this morning is the Christian's guiding rule that overrides all other rules. You know, we have a variety of rules that we live by, principles. When we get into certain situations, what do we do in this situation when we're confronted? When we're confronted, we usually reach into some tried and true rule or principle that's worked for us. I'll give you an example on a carnal level. Um, aggressive people that can be bold or loud oftentimes, when they are challenged, their rule that they often reach for, it's a principle, and they, they react with that principle, is they get in your face. And they use the rule of intimidation. Oh, really? You're going to talk to me that way? Well, I'm going to talk to you this way. And they use that intimidation. Fight or flight, the other, there's another principle, when somebody comes at you or a problem in life challenges you, I flee, I run away, I make myself as small as I can, I hide, I find a shadow. So these are principles that we reach for when we're challenged in life. The scripture tells us that we are to keep and maintain the unity of the Spirit. The unity, excuse me, the unity of the spirit, the unity, the sign of unity is the overriding principle under which every other principle should be subjected. In other words, you shouldn't be reacting to things because this is your personality. This is the principle. This is the way you do things. You should be, whenever pressed or challenged, you should wait a moment What does the unity, what is the sign of unity, what does that one accord want to do in this situation? And you'll find yourself acting differently. You'll find yourself responding differently. Getting quiet in here. What happened to all those amens? I didn't lose anybody, did I? The sign of unity is that overarching motive, which was to be adapted by all of us. And let me say this to you. That overarching motive needs to be adapted, is that you and I are to be adapted to the glory of Jesus Christ, no matter what it costs us individually. That is how the spirit of unity was able to work in the church, in the body of Christ, was that every one of them were internally governed and guided by, I want to be in the glory of Jesus no matter what it calls for in the form of a change in me. The minute people started digging in their heels and saying, Well, that's just the way I am. I don't want to change that. People need to just understand. When people started drawing lines and saying, I'm not going to let the Lord deal with me in this area, that spirit of unity, that one accord began to dissolve. It began to break apart. And and the fertile ground for disunity, the fertile ground for the spirit of denominationalism came in. And people found it easier to go among people that they naturally grouped with and or naturally agreed with. And so what happened was that 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 party spirit, that denominational spirit began to move in the church and the signs and wonders begin to disappear. We need to get it back, don't we? We need to come back under that one accord that was given to us on the day of Pentecost. Because this sign of unity, hear me, is unity with Jesus. Jesus. Therefore, it's the pulse of the resurrection. It's the indicator that we are unified with Jesus, with His mission, with His Spirit. That's why the sign of unity was always accompanied with the supernatural manifestations of the Spirit. And let me say this before I move on to our next sign. A little further on in that chapter in Ephesians that I told you about, chapter 4, it says, And this will continue this process of unity and how that through the unity of the Spirit, God gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to bring the church into harmony, to raise and to mature the body of Christ. He said this will, verse 13, continue. Unity is to continue. It will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, so that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So I just simply want to say, maintaining the sign of unity is the only way the body of Christ is ever going to mature. The only thing that will bring us into the unity of the faith or the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God, is that we cannot give up the spirit of unity. We must stay in one accord. And whatever that means on your part, your personality, your idiosyncrasies, your different differences, those need to be subjected to the spirit of unity, to the sign of unity. Which brings me to the 13th, sign of the church of Acts and it goes hand in hand with the sign of unity and that is the sign of daily fellowship everyone say daily fellowship yes in that same chapter in Acts chapter 2 towards the end of the chapter it says in verse 46 and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple breaking bread from house to house did eat their food with gladness and singleness of heart and so, daily fellowship was the way they held the unity of the Spirit. Daily fellowship. Now, whenever you talk about daily fellowship, Christians loved I heard an amen. Somebody said amen. People loved it. Christians go, hallelujah. That's right, daily fellowship, amen. But in today's modern church, people would go crazy if they had to be together more than once or <laughs> twice a week. I mean, in reality, you know, you really think about it. You could sit here in church and go hallelujah amen, praise the lord daily fellowship. But then you go out to lunch and it's like, "Woo! I could only hack that person just so much. <laughs> just seeing them once a week and talk to that's all I could take, all I could handle." The reality is that the daily fellowship is one of the supernatural signs and it it's a supernatural sign, daily fellowship. In the natural, people would not do that. People who the Lord added to the church. Have you ever noticed if you join a club, you want to have a say-so about who else gets to join? Nobody wants to join a club that doesn't have people that aren't like you, that like what you like. Nobody joins a club that has people in it that rub you the wrong way or not like you. So, The body of Christ obviously is not a club because God's throwing all kinds of people in there that you would not have ordinarily crossed the street to get involved with. And not only are you in unity with them, but God has caused, when we are working as the body of Christ, daily fellowship. Every day we're hanging out together. Our lifestyles would not endure that much confrontation. Think about that for a moment. Would your lifestyle handle daily fellowship? But see, the church in Acts, their daily fellowship wasn't an obligation. It was Christians living a daily adventure. A daily wonderful adventure. An adventure was unfolding in their hearts. The kingdom of God had come and they were laboring in the harvest every single day and that was a great adventure that the Lord had brought them all into and it was a daily thing. Church wasn't a weekly event. It was a daily life. They never thought of church as a service that they attended every seven days. They thought of church as a new life that they were experiencing Saturday to Saturday. They met, they had one big main weekly meeting and the Bible talks about it in the scriptures. But they didn't be, they weren't the church once a week. They were the church every single day. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, the reason why the early church had that sign of daily fellowship, the reason why they didn't just meet together once a week or once every seven days was because they really were Jesus' ambassadors, and they thought of themselves as Christ's ambassadors. Well, being an ambassador is a 24-7 life. And if you're a -a once-a-week Christian, you're not going to be an ambassador for Christ. The ambassador for Christ literally puts his ambassador clothes on his ambassador mindset, and does his ambassadorial job seven days a week. Because the, the world that he is laboring in, the harvest field he's laboring in, it goes on seven days a week. So he can't just pop out and pop in on occasion. Are you understanding what I'm where I'm coming from here? You see, that the the people in Acts, those early Christians, they weren't trying to maintain a belief system where they would need a weekly tune-up. Because that's what happens. And I don't know if that's what happens with you. But do you find yourself ramping up to Sunday and then spinning out on Monday? Do you find there's this ebb and flow that... The church has a weekly rotation to it, but life doesn't go on weekly, life goes on daily. Life cycles, and God made it this way, in 24-hour cycles. So the church that's looping every seven days is never going to impact the high-speed, high-energy world that is spinning every 24 hours. It's just not going to get us there. Can you say amen? So these Christians were not trying to maintain a belief system. They were laborers, ambassadors in the Lord's harvest, which was a a daily life that they were living. And so if we're going to penetrate the harvest, we need the sign of daily fellowship. Weekly church isn't going to get it. And as I said before, God has literally set up the entire existence of man to be managed in 24-hour incremental uh, cycles called a day. And i throw out a couple of verses to you. One, of course, you might know in Psalm 90 and verse 12, it says, So teach us to number our days so that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. The church is not going to make it, and you as a Christian are not going to make it if you put on your church hat once a week on Sunday morning. Because the world's going to knock that right off your head tomorrow morning, if not sooner. And you're going to go all week in the fog of the world, that that faith-deluding fog of the world, depleting you spiritually until you come back into church next week to have that That knowledge of the Lord put back on it. So the Bible says, teach us to number our days daily so that we may give to the Lord a heart of wisdom. You can't handle the wisdom of God if you're a seven-day Christian. Every seven days. You can't handle. The only way that God can give you His wisdom is if you're a 24-7 Christian. Give me a heart of wisdom so that I can have, give me a heart, uh, give me the ability, um, let me number my life in days. If I can manage a day, I can manage my life. Show me a man or a woman that can manage their life daily. And I'll show you someone who can manage their life. Matthew chapter 6 Jesus said, when you pray, say, give us this day, our daily bread. You come into church, say, Lord, give us daily bread. It's Sunday again. It's like that manna. How long did that manna last? One day. What else did Jesus say about a day? He said, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Every day there's new evil. Every day you need new bread. And if you're going to work in the harvest, hello, You can't be a once-every-seven-day ambassador. You need to be an everyday ambassador. Can you say praise the Lord? So the Christian life is a daily mission that must be maintained by the sign of daily fellowship. The kingdom of God serves daily bread, not weekly bread. Trials and troubles are daily. Energy is depleted daily. Battles are fought daily. But Satan cannot defeat the church that lives under the sign of daily fellowship. He just simply can't do it. But if the church retreats back into a weekly cycle, that church can literally be relegated, dysfunctional, and ineffective. And you'll end up simply keeping your faith renewed week by week. But listen, church, the sign of daily fellowship means that people were stirred by the power, transforming work of the Holy Spirit and they realized they were the ambassadors of Christ and they needed to be daily in that harvest, which means that they were on the telephone to one another every day because you can't harvest by yourself. You need fellowship. You need that fellowship. You need that what? The sign of unity, being in one accord. So on a practical note, what I would advise you to do is rather than being one of these Christians that comes to church faithfully and pays your tithe, get in relationship with your brothers and sisters in the body. Go to the house gatherings. Come out to prayer. Associate as often as you can. And as much as you're able to, form bonds where you are in contact with other members of the body contact that is upbuilding Amen. daily 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 yeah. see i know you can tell when both the sign of unity and the sign of daily fellowship are not working as they should because we members of the body get together we'll go out to lunch or We'll go hang around and the conversation. If you get out the conversation meter and you listen to what people talk about. Remember my message from last week? If you, haven't, if you weren't here and didn't hear that message, get it and hear it. Is there anybody here that agrees with that? Amen. Get it, it'll change you. Should change you. It's called gossip. <laughs> the spirit of unity and daily fellowship kills the ability to gossip. Amen. And it keeps the power of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. Do you really want to be an overcomer? Do you really want to see? The Lord used you in the harvest. Do you want to see growth and fruit and all these other signs? You must get under the spirit of unity. You must practice daily fellowship. Fellowshipping around the Lord, fellowshipping around His Word because that's where the signs and wonders took place. The one accord was there. Signs and wonders occurred. Close your Bible and stand with me. We're going to pray this morning. There is a thing called the sign of unity and there's a thing called daily fellowship. They are supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. I used the phrase, the heartbeat of the resurrection. Jesus rose from the dead. His heart beats unity. Remember, unity is unity with Jesus. His heart beats daily fellowship. He is daily in that harvest field. So we want to be with Jesus. We want to be with Him. Hallelujah. And so our, our prayer this morning as we close is going to be, Lord, bring that sign upon us. Help me to make room for that sign. Whatever is there between you and I that hinders, acts as a barrier, that that sign, those signs are not able to move. Let me see it and show me how to deal with it. Because I can't create unity and I can't make that fellowship happen. It comes from within. Heavenly Father, we come boldly to the throne of grace, the gift of God. In the gifts that you have given us is unity and daily fellowship. We're asking, Father, that You would restore these signs to us. We ask, Lord, that You would lift us up under these signs. Bring us, bring our church, bring our people back into harmony. Father God, when we fall out of daily fellowship, we drift away, mentally perhaps, emotionally, even physically, bring us back into active and powerful flow with the Holy Spirit. Lord, forgive the body of Christ. Forgive us for not maintaining the unity of the Spirit. Forgive us because when we let that unity go, the rest of your manifestations went with it. Because Those miracles endorsed the Bride of Christ. And those miracles are not going to come to endorse a harlot. Those miracles are not going to come to endorse a cheater, one that divides. Those miracles are precious. Those signs and wonders are precious. They are Heaven's ringing endorsement of a true, pure Bride of Christ. So Lord, put the bridal gown of of unity back on us, O God. Let the jealousy of the Lord rise within us so we won't tolerate gossip. We won't tolerate division. We won't tolerate anything that separates us from You. And then let daily fellowship take its course thank You, Father. Let it be done. Our hearts cry out to You today for it. In Jesus' name, Amen.